They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. This is part two um, of the podcast of Shooting the Shit with Chippa that I recorded with Leonidas701, whose real name is Elijah. This is now episode seven of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. If you missed the first half, please go back and check it out, episode six, because we're just going to go right into the middle of the conversation I was having with Elijah. Hope you enjoy. Thanks. Uh, ooh, another thing that... Yeah, um, keep going. I like ooze. Let's do it. Uh, might be different. Um, so I was grounded constantly as a kid. Like, constantly. I was an awful person when I was a child. Uh, and because of that, I wasn't allowed near screens for most of my adolescence. Um, most of my childhood, I mean. Uh, so I would read all the time. Uh, before I get too much into this, let me say, uh, Lord of the Rings, trying to read Fellowship of the Rings is what killed my love of reading. That's a hard read. I, um, I actually... Yeah, this is in high school. I hated it. I tried I reading actually... it for fun. I could not get through it. It's... I did book on tape for the Lord of the Rings. Um, I've read The Hobbit, and I've read The Return of the King, the book. I did the book on tape for uh, Fellowship and the Two Towers because I did the same thing. I tried to read Fellowship, and it, it's, it's a great book, but it's so hard to read. Like all the things I had to read in English class, it's something that's very fun to have read and to discuss, yes. but it's pain to read. Yes. It's it's all world building and it's exhaustive. And that's why I was so happy when I finally saw that movie where I went, oh, my God, they did it. Yeah. <laughs> they they right. made they made that palatable. <laughs> Thank yeah. God. Right. So the thing I was going to bring up is so uh, most of my teachers when I was a kid were women and the books they would have were like, you know, like sort of like more skewed towards like girls my age. And so that's how I ended up reading, like, almost the entire Babysitter's Club. That's how I ended up reading. Nice. Um, Those are actually really good. A lot of these very girly books. And I think that's kind of shaped a lot of my tastes growing up because, like, now my favorite genre. Whenever I, like, find an RPG or whatever, like, literally one of the first things I look for is, like, huh, is there a romance option in this game? Is there a romance in this? Which is either due to <laughs> the things I read growing up or it's due to my crushing loneliness. Oh. Honestly, either or is possible. <laughs> well, that's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> look, like I said, I'm I'm... I'm maybe a millennial or I'm either a millennial or Gen Z. Either way, a lot of my humor is crushing. Oh, I, I mean, I'm fine with that. I just feel bad. <laughs> oh yeah. Trust me. I know. I was, I was a very, very lonely person um, for a long, long time. I get it. <laughs> college, yeah. college in particular was very lonely. Yeah. Uh, there was one joke I wrote. It's like, uh, you know how um, there's the thing in Harry Potter, the Boggart or whatever it's yep. called that turns your worst fear? I wrote a joke for that once where it said, like, you can't look at that. It's going to turn your worst fear. It's like, and the response was, it's going to turn into the fear that my lack of experience as a child is going to lead is going to lead to me driving people away when I'm older and actually trying to have social experiences with them for the first time. And I'm making all the mistakes that people were supposed to have made when they were younger, but I don't know how to avoid them now. Oh, God. I'm going to make a physical representation of that. It's just going to be you staring yourself or back and slap you in the face or, or punch well, no, you No, because face. I actually do like the way I look. Oh, yeah, there you I go. I have then. issues with it. And despite the best efforts of my parents and grandparents, I do actually like the way I, I'm able to. I'm pretty lucky. I'm able to uh, acknowledge that I would like to look better without getting super down about how I look. That's awesome. That's actually a really yeah. that's a healthy thing. That's yeah, good. One of the jokes I used to make is that I have ADHD and also uh, minor depression. Uh, but because yep. the ADHD, my depression can't really get to any of like the the self harm or like the lingering parts of it. It's basically just 
constantly I am so bored. It's the it's a permanent feeling of I want to do something, but there's nothing I want to do. Uh, I know that. I know that very well. Mm, it sucks. It does. It does. You're 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 talking to a fellow person with that diagnosis, whatever that is. I think it's called a no in UI, and the French will not shut up about it. Oh yes, Anway or whatever the I don't know. Yeah, Anway, Anway. So yeah, um, not not to direct you off of where the direction you were going. No worries, it's your it's your show. I know, but I'm enjoying it, so I just want to <laughs> I want to make sure you get to talk about what you want to talk about. Right. Uh, what were the other points I wanted to bring up? You said I don't know, other... but you were. I think you were on your way to one when you when you got into uh, um, being being um, moderately depressed. Uh, right. Yeah, and it's basically just a lot of things about, uh, like I said, I was really shitty as a child, and then when I realized I wanted to be less. Uh, basically, um, what, what rating is your podcast? Um, ever anyone, it's fine. You you can you can be vulgar. Okay, so uh, one of the things that I realized, and it's something my dad helped me realize about myself, is um, so when I was a kid, I realized I really liked watching. Uh, I really liked um. How do I put this in a way that doesn't make me sound like a terrible person before I get to the end of it? I'm I'm not sure because I don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> uh, but again, I, again, I, I welcome all. I dude. liked. I realized that I liked. Uh, I a I like getting people's attention, and b, like the way I describe myself is I'm an extrovert who's really bad at it. Um, I liked getting people's attention, and I liked um, inflicting emotionality onto people. But I specifically liked inflicting um, hurt onto people. But I didn't okay. like seeing people. I didn't like seeing people be hurt, if that makes sense. And that took me a long time to grapple with. Yeah. And eventually, a couple of things that my dad told me kind of all clicked in my head. What what my dad okay. told me is that um, I was very empathetic, but that I was afraid of that because I didn't oh. know how to handle those feelings. Uh, and another thing that kind of helped me realize it is I. Um, it's a very long and confusing story as to why it's so confusing that I'm still trying to figure out why but I eventually realized that I was like uh, very much on a dom thing like I was very much a dom like in the okay. BDSM section thing and yeah. that kind of made everything like, kind of click in my head for me it's that I liked causing these sensations and it made me realize oh I can do this and I can enjoy causing these sensations and I can enjoy doing it to these people and I can do it in a way that doesn't actually cause them harm yes and I was gonna I, that's exactly that, what I was gonna say <laughs> into that it's also kind of what helped me realize, like, oh, and there's also other ways I can make people feel things. It's like why I send you jokes all the time because I like making people laugh because I like making. People oh, laugh. I, and and I was I was gonna bring that up. I I I'm, I wasn't sure if I'd ever asked you. You you write a lot, and you've you've sent me things you've written, and the jokes I write a are lot great. Of yeah, uh, and like I, so I, I think, was gonna bring that up. Yeah, I think the one that I sent you that it seems like it might have been your favorite was um, the one that's like. Yeah, we re we didn't have any flowers, so we had to use a substitute for the scene where he was supposed to be snorting cocaine. What was the substitute? Yes. Cocaine. I love that, dude. It actually reminds me. It, it, I liked it so much. It, I actually got that when I was at work, and I was laughing out loud, like, in my office, and everyone kind of turned, and I'm like, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. Um, but uh, it reminds me of one of my favorite Nick Nolte quotes. Oh. And I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but... Um, I have never Nick, heard of the man. Nick Nolte has had several... Um, times where he's, you know, been in the tabloids for, you know, being excessively screwed up on substances. And there was a movie he did called The Good Thief that got all this Oscar buzz. And he was actually nominated for Best Actor for it, where he had kind of come back 
from a really hard um, cocaine and other drugs binge and gone through, you know, AA and, and uh, not AA, but had gone through rehab and had come out. And so they were interviewing him. And they said, you know, this character you play in The Good Thief must have been so hard for you after you went through all these struggles with drugs because you play a guy who's addicted to cocaine. So in the scenes where the character is, you know, strung out on cocaine, what did you do to, like, get into that mindset and not, you know, not have it bring back bad memories? And he goes, oh, what I did is I just did a little bit of cocaine. (laughs) And they'd go, excuse me? And he goes, yeah, you know, I... I'm in control of it now. I'm an, I'm an adult. So I needed to be on cocaine. So I went and did some cocaine and he was being completely serious. And they were like, okay, <laughs> we're going to, we're just going to put that over here and, and move on. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. That, that one was, is, is, is my favorite of many funny things. I liked, he hid, hid the safe behind another safe. Right, yeah. Damn uh, good so, too. For, so for, for context, for the people listening, uh, what I said to Chris was, if I ever make a comedy mystery movie, one of the gags is going to be the villain having a secret, a secret wall safe hidden behind a bigger safe. <laughs> I love it. It's good And stuff. my only problem with that gag is I can't think of a way for the heroes to figure it out that isn't also just ridiculous. I mean, the way I pictured it when you said it, even though it's not hidden behind, is that you'd you'd have the villain that would do like, um, what are those egg dolls? Matryoshka the dolls? nesting dolls. The nesting dolls. Yeah, Matryoshka where, dolls. Yeah, which is just a safe within 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 a safe. <laughs> yeah, like like the asshole's Christmas gift where you put a box into a box into a box. Exactly. I think that uh, I actually I think my favorite version of that is uh, there was someone who knew their friend wouldn't have time to get them a Christmas gift, so they got themselves a Christmas gift. They wrapped it up, they put a bow on it, they put a card in it, and then they put that into a bigger box and they wrapped that up, they put a bow, they put a card in it, and they gave that to their friend. And then their friend opened it, they saw that they that they had this Christmas gift now to give to their friend. Yes, yeah, I've seen that. I, I forget where that. I've definitely seen I that. I think it was somewhere on Cartoon Network. Must have been. I think it was like when they were trying to play off of the O. Henry thing, which I, I have such a grudge against O. Henry because my grandma kept trying to make me watch, kept trying, gave me this big book of O. Henry stories and trying to make me read them. Oh yeah, people's best, um, people's best efforts sometimes, right? Mm, I have a list of other jokes that I made. Uh, I'm trying to scroll through and and find it, which I, uh, ooh, one of my favorite jokes is um. I'm a master of the subtle art of flirting. I wouldn't really call looking into someone's eyes while you put an entire banana in your mouth subtle. No, I think you sent effective. me that one too. It is effective. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. <laughs> yeah, so that can go up there with um. Oh, right. Uh, also, uh, these two jokes, which I really like. Um, there are ethical applications for this too. I can't think of any, but I'm sure they exist. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, or this is not the first time a crazy woman has charged me with a knife. This is not the first time a crazy woman has shot at me. This is not the first time a crazy woman has attacked me with a rocket launcher. You know what, Jim? I'm starting to think the problem might be me. (laughs) (laughs) I like Uh, that. I think that the close thing to, like, a biting one is liking something ironically unironically is so out of style nowadays. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, hip, hip, hipster inception. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the, the the first one of these that I wrote that I remember is uh, supposed to be like a mid dialogue scene where this guy is talking to this woman who's uh, 
whose son recently came out to her as like either gay or transgender, came out to her as something. And this is how the scene goes. is um, Look, you have to accept that this isn't a phase. This is who your son actually is. You have to accept that's not something you can change. It's not even something for you to accept. It's just you have to make a choice. Is it you, you, you are you going to be in his life or not? And it's like going like that, you know. Uh, and then the, so the woman thinks a little bit and then she says like, and the leather and the shoulder spikes. Okay, that's a phase. <laughs> okay, that's a phase. <laughs> And the leather and the shoulder. Oh, so in in that same category, have have you ever seen? Um, I think it was at the forty year old version or knocked up where uh, Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd are constantly throughout the movie doing the you know how I know you're gay thing. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? No, I haven't seen those movies. All right, so so they're they're Judd Apatow movies, but there's this back and forth where like there's these two guys are like you know the guy's best friends and. Every scene they're in in the movie, they're, like, sitting there playing video games, and he keeps punching the guy in the shoulder, and he'll do, like, you know, I know you're gay, and he'll, like, say something stupid. You know, I know you're gay, and it's just really childish and stupid. So me and my buddy at work, who who come up with movie games a lot and change things around, had this thing where he goes, all right, take the exact same scene, but it's two guys in, like, full-on gimp gear. And and one guy turns up to get the other guy a beer and bends over. He's got assless chaps on. Bends over, gets the beer, comes, sits back down. The other guy's got a zipper over his mouth and unzips it and turns and goes, you know, I know you're gay. End scene. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of knowing you're gay. um, So uh, have you heard of Kingdom Hearts? Have I heard of it? Yeah. Um, Yes. Uh, I, um, I have only played the first one, but I played it. Um, as if it was a religious experience. <laughs> so I've been in Kingdom Hearts since like I was in middle school. Uh, yeah. <laughs> first entry into it was with three five eight over two days, and the main yep. character that Roxas. I'm sorry. I'm going to I'm going to start throwing a lot of proper nouns at you. Um, I know them all. This is okay, this is so, fine. I'm I am I am learned on Kingdom Hearts. Okay, cool. Uh, then I, I probably don't have to give you an explanation. But uh, so I was talking to my my now ex girlfriend when Kingdom Hearts three came out. And I just beaten the game. I was running around my room. I was screaming with joy. I was so happy because Rock. I probably shouldn't give Kingdom Hearts three spoilers, huh? But um, <laughs> but anyways, I was running with joy. I was really happy, and she, I tried to explain to her like how much it's meant to me. And I, the it came to me like a bolt in my brain. Uh, and I explained to my to Lillian back then. I said to her, um, Roxas is the reason why I know for a fact that I am not even slightly interested in men. Because I like him so much that if there was even a sliver of interest in that direction, there is no chance I wouldn't have a massive crush on him. Yeah, no, I think I think we, especially in the the type of uh, things that you know we are both obviously both into, and people that I get like kind of like the geek culture kind of a thing. I yeah. think we all have something that you you just have that moment where you get into something or into a character so much where you go, yep, this is the point where I know. This is the point where I know that I can accept the fact that I can understand that that is an attractive dude, and and that, that's about yeah. as far as I've gone. Oh, uh, <laughs> so speaking of gaming, and this is kind of veering a little bit into politics, is I was yeah, trying to think and, of... And, and you're welcome to veer into yeah. politics, like yes. I told you. I, yeah. I just try to keep the... Um, I try to keep the trolls at bay on other podcasts that... Um, with people that I have on that um, oh, don't worry. What are, I'm gonna are, say are targets. To hate. <laughs> no, no, I'm fine with that. But, you know, I'd rather have them show up because of things that, like, I intentionally am saying and believe in in my guests yeah. rather than having give them, giving them extra fuel on other shows. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So to go on a little bit of a walk for this one, uh, so I'm interested in being a, psycholo- a, a psychologist because... Is that what you're doing in school? I didn't, uh-huh. didn't even ask you that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, well, hopefully I need to take a gap year, then I need to, and then grad school is massively debted, so I need to think. It's a long thing. Uh, uh-huh. But I want to be a psychologist because I want to be able to give the help, the best help possible to people who need help, who not only need help, but who know they need help and are actively seeking it. And with the way medical school works and the way a lot of doctors honestly work is, like, there's this tendency that, like, if they don't have something memorized, they just assume it doesn't exist. Because that's how school works, is they teach you to memorize things, and if you don't have it memorized, it's assumed it's not important. It's just... Right, I never I, need I, to learn anything more than you taught me here. Bye! Yeah, and you're, never, and you're never taught how to learn, you're just taught how to memorize. You're never taught how to do research, it's just... It's such a mess. But anyways, uh, and I was trying to explain that to someone, and what I said is, like, and the thing that kind of turned me on to that was I was working at a convention, I was volunteering at a convention, and, like, I had... I kind of made friends with a bunch of people who were like outside of like the gender binary and like who were transgender and who were like of various sexualities. And I kind of had this epiphany and I realized like, I kind of said this as a joke, but it's something I realized that kind of explains the whole dichotomy of gaming as a whole. And it's like, you see, when you have a hobby that can ex be experienced almost entirely in full, entirely on your own, like gaming, you will, of course, attract a lot of people who have been exiled from society, whether that be for, like, race or sexuality or gender or any other reason. Yep. Which is great. But the problem is that you also attract a lot of people who are excluded from society for very good reasons. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of my way of describing that. No, and that, that's a perfect... I was going to say, because the, the good side of that um, that there are a lot of people who are excluded from society for bullshit well, reasons. The exactly. The that is that some people are rightfully excluded. And I, I, I was talking um, – I, I went to PAX East, or at least two days of it earlier, because um, a guy on here, uh, um, my friend Reed D, was, uh, went to high school with my wife, I found out, which is really cool. But we had you know, become friends through Twitter you know, kind of tangentially to that, which is really cool. Um got me tickets to PAX East. He had extra ones and he ended up working for uh, TakeThis.org. I don't know if you, you know of them, but that was... Uh, around, yeah. Yeah, that was um, uh, Russ Pitts and Susan Arnett from, um, or Arendt from The Escapist were part of like the people that started it, but they run the, uh, the, um, like, the safe space rooms at conventions. Yeah. Basically the place. And, and I think... The best editor in the world and also her husband. Yeah, yeah, Russ. Russ is, Russ is a it is a character um and that, that's as far as i'll go with that but uh anyway um because she she's just a sweetheart and uh it, it's awesome that take this as an awesome thing but anyway so he reed was working for them so he got free passes so he gave me his passes to go and the thing as i was waiting in line to get in i looked around and i thought back to being you know nine ten eleven years old and going to like the little local like hole in the wall comic shops or you know pre-eb games video game stores that you know were like dimly lit you know back room stuff where you, where you felt like you were being looked down on by people for the stuff that you liked you know we're like oh if i wanted to go play D D with my friends i had to go into some you know basement of some comic shop somewhere because I didn't want the freaking, you know, normies to see me, you know, or, or whatever. And now I'm standing do not. at what I absolutely do not know. Like, like right. EB games to me is, is the olden times. Okay. So, like, so, anyway, so, 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 so then let me learn. Yeah. But um, anyway, this, this, this was a, you know, a thing where like, you know, 
even even things that seem so simple, like my mother told stories about how my brother got into dinosaurs. He got into dinosaurs when he was four years old. So this is 1985. There wasn't any Jurassic Park. There was all the, all there were, were like the 10 million year BC movies and stuff from the like you know 50s and 60s. So there wasn't you know a line of dinosaur toys for little kids yet. You know, so she had to kind of go out and find, like, go to, like, the Museum of Science and, like, weird, you know, like, catalogs and stuff to find dinosaur toys for him. And, you know, that's a pretty standard-seeming thing that was so hard back then. But, you know, to stand, to back to the video game thing, to stand in front of a convention center that, you know, a week or two prior I had, or a month or two prior I had gone and seen a boat show, which is a completely different kind of geek. It's, you know, old white money geek. It's a very different thing. But anyone that has a passion about something I call a geek, you know, I, I, I said to my friend the other day that was giving that was giving me crap of, or not giving me crap, but making like a comment about I'll never be able to understand how someone can invest like an entire night of their time into Dungeons and Dragons or into like an RPG video game. And I go, You play fantasy sports, right? And they said, Yeah, and I go, You play Dungeons and Dragons. And I was about to see it's the same goddamn thing. Like just it's it's a it, it's a passion and you're into it and you analyze it and that's cool. Go for it. Do it. So to stand with all these people and look around and go, there's finally it's finally acceptable. It's finally okay. And then you mix in with that that I'm just talking about my perspective on it. You know, a part of it that is me, I felt like an outcast, not to leave alone the the transgendered people in the crowd that 10 years ago wouldn't have been able to have a thing that they could be out there with everybody else, you know, just the, the gay, you know, non-binary, like however you want to put it, that just didn't feel like they had a place to go. And now we're all in the same place together with a common denominator and we don't have to, you know, hide it. And I think that's wicked cool. Yeah. And to kind of give you how different that is for me, like, let me put it this way. When I was in high school, in gym class, a fist fight once broke up among the boys over who got to use the pink bike. Nice. Not who was stuck with it, who got to use it. I um, am really happy to hear that. And I think that was actually kind of a problem for me because, like, obviously San Francisco, so, like, gay rights especially is, like, like it's not it's not that it's not still a problem because it is, like, still a problem there. There's still a lot of very bigoted people in there and they're getting more because of the whole tech influx thingy. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a bunch of rich assholes trying to come around and just throw money around. I, I have opinions on these things. I have I have opinions as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, but basically it kind of went so far that like it went so far to normalize it for me to the point that I kind of literally it kind of looped around to the point where I don't notice. To the point where um, one of my aunts and her wife were at almost every single family gathering that I went to on my dad's side of the family. And it wasn't until one of them was pregnant. And to be clear, my aunt's wife is like the most butch-looking lesbian you can think of. Like she even – like she has like the classic like butch – well, then classic butch haircut, like that spiky faux hawk thingy. Yep. Oh, yeah. And she like very much dressed like like a, a joke that I like to make is that lesbians dress like how boys ten years younger than them dress. Um, that's that's a very very good um, observation because I I agree. 
Yeah, and like so she dressed like that, and literally I never noticed until one of them was pregnant that they were. I didn't even notice. Not that not that they weren't lesbians. I didn't notice they were in a relationship. I just assumed that they were both sisters of the same guy. Oh yeah, and and that shows you know how it's like it, it's not even a big deal. Like it's it's so not a big deal that you just see straight through it. It's transparent. Yeah, it's and like, like uh, <laughs> one of my best friends in high school was this girl who like dressed like an eight-year-old schoolboy, and she also had the classic lesbian haircut of that time. And again, it wasn't until the last week of school when she mentioned doing something for a year with her girlfriend that it even clicked from me in my head. It's like, oh. Oh, right, cool. I totally missed that. <laughs> because again, it's like, it's gotten so normal for me that I literally don't notice unless someone points it out. I, and I think, you know, also living in a in a coastal liberal town, but as my brother likes to joke, you know, the the the, the West Coast liberalism is people that wanted to go there because they wanted to go there. Like that's mm. newer, new, newer, whereas we've got, you know, the liberalism in that, you know, we're a big city. So it's kind of where the people that work in the types of fields that sway that way have a tendency to go to. But We've got this underbelly, especially in the southie area of Boston, where Ben Affleck likes to set all of his movies, um, and uh, the old Irish and old Italian population that's still around here, that there's this really kind of deep-seated cultural conservatism that I wouldn't it wouldn't call it like alt-right. It's definitely not like the Trump type of conservatism. That's original right. Yes. But it's yeah, it's it's still pretty gross and pretty goddamn scary. Um, I, I I remember realizing that my my grandfather was incredibly racist when I was like six or seven years old, when he was talking about Kenny Hill, who was was a local baseball player from Lynn, but he ended up being on the Indians, and he was a very big player for the Indians. And I was so impressed because my my grandfather knew Kenny Hill's family. And Kenny Hill's African-American. And I said, oh, that's awesome. You know, I, I would love to meet them. And he says, oh, yeah, you can meet them sometime. They're really nice for um, Word Deleted. And yeah. I went, shit. <laughs> like, in my head, I'm like, oh, no. You want to talk about confused? You want to talk about racist grandparents? You want to hear something incredibly confusing? Sure. <laughs> so my family, like I said, my family emigrated from, they were refugees from the Ukraine part of Russia. My grand, my, my paternal grandmother hates Vladimir Putin, like, with a burning passion. Well, I, I, lo I like this person already. You're, you're about to not. I know. That's, because, I, I was kind of helping you with your setup there. Because she understands all the horrible things Putin has done. She is firmly against him. She gets he's a terrible person. She fucking loves Donald Trump. <laughs> and I cannot, no matter what I tell her or what she says to me, I cannot understand how that is fucking possible. Oh, no. Not just because of the seminaries and their politics, but because it is so obvious to everyone, especially if you're watching Russian news, where they're very open about this being the case, that Donald Trump is in Putin's pocket. Oh, no. Oh, Jesus. I, uh, I, I, this, this entire and then my thing... Mother, and, like, of course, they're all, all my family, like, all of them, like, my paternal grandmother and my mom are super racist against the Chinese because that's kind of like if you're going to be racist in Russia, that's who you're racist against because black yeah, people that... in Russia, like the black people in Russia mostly got there like from African mercenary groups that kind of were going up and down. So like it's less of like the slave trade in Russia, how black people got there and more just like the kind of 
naturally diffused there over time. There's still racism against black people, but it's way lesser than it is like in America. But like there is strong racism in post-Soviet Russia and during the Soviet Union against the Chinese. Wow. I mean, that makes sense, um, particularly in um, co-location of land masses and things of that nature and power struggles and all of that. But man, yeah, Again, you... I grew up in a mostly Chinese neighborhood. Yeah, that's 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 so wild. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, uh, obvi- obviously we can do some more, but I just wanted we, we, we've been going for quite a bit. So I, I'd like to do, you know, a, a little bit more and get to a wrap up. And I'm thinking we, we have enough to talk about that. I could definitely have you on again because this has been a blast. Oh, totally. Buddy. I just I eventually talked about my top, my top, my pocket. I, have, I haven't actually talked about my politics yet. No, that's what I was going to say. Let's get into. We could get into that a little bit, and then um, because it's it, it's midnight for me, so I just want to make sure I don't go. Uh, but but it's all good. So yeah, let, let's 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 jump right in. Let's jump right into that, and I'll preempt by saying that you know I'm a very open minded guy, and so I don't um don't 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 hold back what you want to talk about i'm 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 a i i am surrounded by people of different viewpoints and i'm i'm not saying that i fear that ours are different i just want you to know that you know i'm i'm perfectly open to a conversation and okay that's all uh, okay so for this one especially uh if i start to talk over you please let me know because same here please important. Uh, same here as well so obviously like i said my family came to the union so i'm very like immediately kind of wary of the whole like putting like the whole socialism the whole integrating the government more into our lives consolidating that much power up top because my parents had to flee from an example of that going horribly wrong ah uh, yes the the type of government that works great on paper until you put the human condition into it yes yeah. and so like <laughs> my view on american politics whenever i see people talking about stuff like uh universal health care and stuff like that is I don't understand why people think the the solution to a problem brought about by the government's failure to properly exercise their power is to give the government even more power it's it, yeah I agree it's it's the weirdest thing and I've always been confused not necessarily confused, but it always amazes me that that the youth of a nation um, are the ones that get stereotypically pushed into thinking this way. Because, yeah, stereotypically that is, but the youth are usually the people with access to the best information. So it amazes me that something that's so – like the way you just explained that right there, right, should be an immediate red flag to people. <laughs> like the thing you want to fix – you're going to give yourself more of that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, especially with like, like, let's just use healthcare as an example. From what I can tell in America up until, let's say about the eighties, because I'm going to be honest, a lot of the, I, I blame a lot of current problems on the Reagan administration. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Oh, on the Reagan uh, administration and on America, never really getting past the fact that it lost Vietnam. Like Iraq is basically uh, let's do Vietnam again, but try and win. Yes, yes, it's 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 so it's so good to hear somebody say that because it's so true. <laughs> yeah, um, which oh, Jesus Christ, Vietnam was a joke in Russia because well, a joke in like kind of the ideas like the Americans aren't actually going to do something this stupid, are they? Because the Viet Cong, some of the leaders would go and hide on Russian bases, and in order to fully get them, America would have had to be willing to start World War Three. It's a brilliant game of chess, right there. 
Yeah, so they were doomed from the start, and it was just we were we in history. Uh, yeah, w- w- let's let's send let's send a whole bunch of quickly trained individuals to fight incredibly well trained people on their home turf. Good job, guys. Yeah. And in a war that we literally can't win unless we're willing to start the war, we are desperately trying to avoid. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I've 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 made comments that you know it you know regardless of trying to avoid World War Three I feel like we've kind of been in World War Three since Vietnam but that's just a completely different issue in and of itself yeah <laughs> uh, yeah but like uh, like it's weird that the right wing is like called the conservative movement because like honestly I feel like what the left wants is at least in terms of like stuff like taxation and medical stuff is and like corporate power is they actually they're the ones that want to go back to the way things were when there was a hundred percent tax rate on people who were making over like a million dollars or something yep. where there was firm rules about what corporations could and couldn't do and monopolies were more likely to be busted and especially with healthcare where there was a rule about how much like the reason why healthcare in america is such a big mess is because the insurance companies get massive discounts on everything which means the hospitals have to jack up their prices to be able to yep cover the cost of medicine and literally the government could fix that so much by just saying this is the set limit on how much of a discount insurance companies can get from hospitals and hospital prices would plummet immediately yep like the, but, but the problem that, with the government but that is goes that com- more exercise and more power it's that it needs to properly use its power and it's not and that goes completely against capitalism which we seem to be way into as well <laughs> yeah well cuz here's the thing here's the thing is like i am very much a capitalist i'm super in favor of capitalism because i agree all the great advances that we've made have been a result of that kind of direct competition like the the cold war was so good for america and only america by the way because we yes. had a clear enemy that we were putting so much into fighting and we couldn't fight them with war so we had to fight them with technology uh, but like the to me the pur- the government has two purposes ultimately two purposes. The first one is to regulate trade across interstate borders. And the second is to protect its people from exploitation. That is its only two jobs. I agree with you there. And the type of capitalism that works is the type of capitalism where the great angry beast that is business has to actively fight with the great angry beast that is government, where laws are set in place that neither one can be happy as long as the other one is happy. Yeah. And you just put those two forces against each other, and then everything will start to work out better for the people. Like, that's where you get things like government being willing to bust open monopolies and not let things get that far out of hand and regulate, like, certain deals that can be made. Like, and not, again, allow, like, just... not allow a dipshit that his trust yeah, fund like, lets, him, lets him take over a medical company, make EpiPens cost $1,000. Yeah, exactly. And like the whole thing with Donald Trump, like the reason why Donald Trump is such a menace right now is A, because our government isn't working and B, because we've gone so far beyond how our government was originally supposed to work because we just kept on giving the president more and more power that now it's a complete mess because our government was never meant to run like that. The president is supposed to be in charge specifically of external affairs. That's why our first president was a military general. And now you're stuck with a party that's gotten themselves in so deep that they're too afraid to take his power away. Yeah, and then the Democrats, of course, want to fight against it, but they're getting their money from the same place, and the people uh, they're getting the money from uh, don't care how bad things get. 
it's it's funny that you mentioned that um you, you know and it, it's a good point and i never really fully thought of it that you're right the it, it's starting to become like that polar shift where you know you get a lot of people that like to point fingers nowadays going you know the the republicans were really the democrats back in the day and it's like if you use conservative and liberal it's like you're, you're absolutely right um and it seems like that shift is happening again it's like that pre-reagan conservatism is what the democratic party is actually asking for <laughs> yeah like because uh, like originally what the democrats and republicans were is the democrats were in favor of the government having more power the republicans were in favor of the government having less yes and when the republicans started getting out of hand by giving away too much power specifically not giving more power to the people but giving power to corporations the democrats could not give a good response because their entire core thesis is have it is that they cannot is that is built around the government having more power yeah and you can't fight against the problem built that comes from someone having too much power with saying that there should still be this much power in one hand it should just be in another hand the uh, the other thing that completely breaks my brain about the way this country is set up and i get that most of it comes from a time that was supposed to unify us. It was supposed to give the smaller groups of people just as much of a voice as the bigger groups of people. I get it. But the fact that there's a difference between state and federal laws fucks with my brain because I get it. There is, should be a dividing line, but at the same time, when it comes to things like healthcare and separation of church and state, you know, the fact that people are fleeing states so they can get proper medical help for things, you know, like rape and, and, you know, being pregnant or getting sexually transmitted diseases, you know, all these things that because some church thinks that it's not okay, some whole state passes a law. It's like, exactly. I think That's I, what I, I mean th about how it, the government should be protecting people from exploitation. Yeah, it, it's completely ridiculous. And it's when I heard about that, because I didn't I wasn't as politically in in tune until i got to college and took a politics class and i gotta really give that politics professor a lot of credit because he was just teaching you know a politics 101 you know elective class but i got a lot out of it because he he said a lot of stuff like that um you know like any of this unregulated is a bad thing he even said one day he goes the fact that one state can have stricter gun control laws than another state is terrible because if you live on the border of the two states they're just going to be freaking embezzling guns across the land border like there's no physical border so you can't you can't have a law like that it doesn't work you know it, you know it, it's why doing things like that is so hard in europe because there's it's all land borders <laughs> you know there's no ocean separating people um but he drew a thing on the on the blackboard and it it completely set a lot of it in motion where he put a dot on the top and he put a dot on the bottom and he wrote on the right you know right and on the left he wrote left and he made a circle and he put you know names around the right and left that you know were far separated like you know um um you name it you know people that are just expected to be the epitome of both but then he drew he wrote hitler and Stalin and all these other people like this right at the bottom dot. And he says, you go too far in one direction, guess where you end up? And it, it was a really cool way, a simple way of thinking about it because it's like anything unregulated, anything unquestioned, like you said with, um, uh, if either one is happy, the other one has to be sad. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's don't put too much thing. power anywhere. That's where our entire government is built off of, having those yes. three legs of government, and we've completely yes. fucked it up. Oh, and, and, and the fact that people can just veto it whenever they want now. It, it just seems like a game nowadays. It's like, yeah, yeah I don't want to really involve those other two branches today. W- what? <laughs> yeah. It, it sucks so hard. Oh, let me show you. A, remind me to send you a, a link to a comic called Law and Sausages. That kind Please of is do. a law professor kind of going into how this has changed over history. It's very well written. It's drawn by the, by the guy who does Saturday morning breakfast cereal because it's him and his brother. Oh, kick ass. Oh, that's awesome. I love that stuff. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Um. But yeah, like when people talk about how this country, about like how they need to change the constitution or whatever it is, because like this country was made by like a bunch of old stuffy white men who didn't know what they're talking about and stuff like that. I completely agree when it comes to like social issues. Social issues is what needs updating and what needs like yes. to be properly recognized and handled in the government. That all needs updating. But the basic structure of the government, the skeleton of it, that is like one of the best created things like in American politics, period. Like in politics in general, it's one of the most elegantly designed things we that has ever been around and that has ever that the world has ever seen. And the reason why it's so broken is because we have been deliberately breaking it. Yes, it's like the idea of we're going to put our system into another nation that needs an improvement. You go, oh great, on paper that sounds so good, and then you go, oh yeah, you brought all your social shit with you. Ah, yeah. Like, (laughs) we can solve the social shit while still putting back together our government, right? Uh, Shit. What else? Oh, so so an an interesting point while you were talking about this that I think ties into um, part of the 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 conversation we were having as a whole. I you know growing up at the end, I grew up you know knowledgeable of the end of the Cold War, right? You know the 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 Berlin Wall dropping was something that happened in my early life, but I remember it. Um, I remember it being a big deal. I remember them having to change the history books, you know, to change the USSR out of it. And all that it was it was it was a really big deal. And they, my dad they went still old. has a Soviet Union pa- uh, still has a Soviet Union passport in his desk. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so, so you know, it, it, it was all there in part of my life. But the carryover of Russia being the big villain for the United States for a long period of time carried over into a lot of, you know, media. And so I remember, you know, you, you've got the Rocky series with, you know, Rocky Four, basically Rocky representing America punching fucking Russia to death is basically the, the entire high, uh, idea of that movie. And I then, love the Rocky movies. So oh, much. yeah. And then, and then the Mighty Ducks series where, you know, in every movie, the kids are always playing against the all black wearing Russian hockey team. And you sit there and you go, oh, God, here we go. And I was wondering, you know, Miracle I don't know. This is one of the best movies ever made for the record. Yes. Yes. Like and, I saw a joke going around in 2016, which is like, was America ever great? And the response was, we were great for like five minutes after a hockey match in 1980. 100%. Uh, and, um, you know, I was wondering if, you know, because I look at it as, I, I call it propaganda light. You know what I mean? Because it's not really hurting anybody, but at the same time, it's like, oh, man. Like, you know, I could see like a six-year-old kid growing up jaded and being like, man, I I can't wait till I get on my high school's hockey team so I can play hockey against the Russians, (laughs) you know, or whatever it is. Um, But was there anything that you were knowledgeable of from, you know, the culture you came from? Like that maybe, you know, one of these movies like the Three Musketeers thing or anything that was like heavily... um, um, against america or heavily like where you know we're kind of like the jokey dim-witted idiot like villain in it or, or something I, it would just be funny to me if you know 
that existed. Ooh, I actually do think something. Not against America, but against England. Uh, in oh, okay. the the second episode of the Three Musketeers, which I think is what you're about to watch, uh, yep. Lord Buckingham is in that, and it is very weird in a series that's all about French people. The most aggressive English, the most aggressive womanizer, is an Englishman. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like I can't think of that much like direct thing with going against America because most of my exposure to like Russian media was like children's books and like children's movies that my grandparents yeah, yeah. had. And when I say children's books, I mean like three to five year old. Yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, there's Dead to Fielder, which is I guess kind of Soviet propaganda because it's like this kid just kind of goes out into the world and he just finds a house and he just lives in the house. Oh, there you go. Accept yeah. your social he... status. Have fun. Well, no, because the point is that he's living this big city to live in the country, but he just finds a massive house, and it's like, I live here now. Nice. Yeah, it's a very good little, fun little kid series, because he lives with this dog and this bird and this cat. It's it's very neat. Uh, but yeah, like, I don't know that much, like, anti-America things from, like, what no, I've I read. Just... And maybe and maybe they don't maybe they don't exist in that form like they do here. It's just it's it's interesting to me, yeah, you know, that we lean that we lean so heavy on that <laughs> in like in like stupid little Disney movies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's just kind of crazy. Yeah. Um. So so I I um you know I I think. I think we've got a lot more that we could talk about, but I, I think we you should try to, to wrap. To sleep, dude. Yeah, but but I was I was going to ask you know stupid simple podcast questions to end the thing out. Um, yep. One or two, and if if there's multiple, go for it. Favorite video games. Uh, favorite video game. Um, so my favorite video game of all time is The World Ends with You. Oh, I've never heard of this one. Again, it's this great DS game made by the person who, who made Kingdom Hearts and who made the good Final Fantasy games. Uh, uh, I like that. That's a good point right there. <laughs> yeah, uh, also, I love Final Fantasy V a lot. It's like my favorite Final Fantasy game because. Uh, do you mind if I give you a spoiler for that game? I've played Final Fantasy V. Yeah, so you know how Galif, you know Galif, how he goes out. Yeah, it's my favorite game. A because he dies in the best goddamn way possible with the bad guy just throwing instant death after instant death after instant death after instant death magic at him, and yep. he just keeps standing and he keeps fucking it, fighting this guy. And then at the end of it, when he actually does go down, the heroes actually try to use resurrection magic on him. Like unlike with um. Unlike with Aerith in Final Fantasy VII, how they just didn't show her. Yeah. They actually, like, yeah, with Gallif, when he goes down, like, you see the protagonist going, like, uh, they try to use a phoenix down on him, they try to cast rays on him, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. But you see them try. It's rough. It's so it, it's rough. It's one of the best death scenes in all of gaming, but I was so happy when I saw that they actually did that. And, yeah, like, also, the the outfits for that are all so cool, because they have the, the dress system. Yes. Yeah, okay, uh, what about what about movies? Uh, favorite movies. Um, well, Buck and Bardi, like I said, is a really yeah, good movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to look that one up. I, I can't find a version of it with subtitles, but as soon as I do, I'm sending that to you. Um, another movie that I really like. Uh... Weirdly enough, uh, G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. Oh, no, not yeah, not G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. Um, the second G.I. Joe movie. What yeah, that... That was actually a blast. Yeah. Uh, um, also, was... White House Down. I love White House Down. Yeah. And the Pins yeah, of Madagascar. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Pins of Madagascar is so so fucking funny. It was the it first really movie is. I went to theaters to see more than once. It really where, is. Where they go, where they get, where they think they're in Ireland, but they're actually in China, and like they see all the Chinese architecture in them, and then they try mailing themselves to China, and they pop up. It's like, ah, yes, China's famous little Dublin. 
<laughs> and then uh, what a, a music uh, bands genre whatever. Oh Christ! Well, I think you and I are so I listen to everything. Yeah, yeah, but um, but like ones that stick out. Go. Uh, okay, let me just look at my playlist. See what I've been listening to the most recently right now. Because I think you and I had a back and forth about some band recently. Not Boston. Not 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 Slippery When Wet. Because we talked about all those. I think. It uh, was it Aerosmith? We didn't talk. about No, something. I thought it was like, like, um, Blink One Eighty Two or or uh, um. Offspring and Green Day. Offspring. That when you were looking for things to sleep about, and I was yes. thinking like pop punk stuff. Yeah, I yes. love those. Um, uh, one of my favorite albums is uh, Coldplay has this album that came out in like a couple of years ago called I think A Sky Full of Stars. It's like, yep. have you ever heard Daft Punk's Discovery album? Yep. A Sky Full of Stars is kind of like like the lighter songs on Discovery, but I think they're kind of better than the light songs on Discovery because I can't get through the light songs on Discovery. But like. Chris Martin's vocals actually works really well for that type of music, and it just like it sounds very good. Like um, I, I agree, and and Coldplay is a hot and cold band for me, especially a lot of their more recent stuff. And that I really liked that album. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I recently found a song that I've had two seconds of stuck in my head for forever, and I found found the name called "My Let My Love Open the Door" by Pete Townsend. Yep, that's a, an amazing song. And you know what? I've I've known that song for my whole life, and never knew it was Pete Townsend. Yeah, uh, I listened to Warren Zevin's Excitable Boy soundtrack recently, oh, Excitable Boy album recently, and yes. Lawyers, Guns, and Money I just always listen to whenever I'm walking because it's just such great clapping music. Lawyers, Guns, and Money is 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 an incredible I love how you song. never find out what actually happened. Yep. Uh, ooh, I listened to Genesis's Invisible Touch album recently, which is also very good. Anything she does is like a song about waifus before waifus were a thing. Yep. Uh, the cult, uh, the cult's um, love album is very good. Yes, I heard Copacabana for the first time a couple weeks ago, and I love it. Ah, Copacabana. <laughs> yeah, the song that completely redeems Barry Manilow. Yep. Uh, what else? I recently listened to all of the um, David Lee Roth Van Halen albums. Yeah. Oh, that's a trip. Yeah, he's a very good singer. He is. Uh, have you I, ever heard? Was, have you ever heard Van Halen with his vocal with with the music removed? Just leaving right, his vocals. Right, just David Roth yowling on his it's, own. It's it's number one awesome because he's he's actually a great vocalist. But it sounds out without the music. It sounds like my brother always put it that he's reacting to some sort of small disaster going on in the <laughs> studio that no one else notices but him. Because he's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Like like a toilet's overflowing or something, and he's the only one that knows. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, there's a song that uh, Stevie Nicks did with Tom Petty called "Stop Dragging My Heart Around." That yep. like when I broke up, I listened to a lot because that was very like the way Tom Petty is singing in that song, and like kind of my feelings about that song. That sums up my feelings about that relationship really well. That you song, know, it's like you're in a relationship, and like you can, song. yeah, and like you can tell the other person in the relationship like really doesn't want to be there anymore, but like. You love them too much to just tell them to leave, and it's just like yep. And whenever they come back and harmonize together, and it's like it's you're, you're trying to rekindle it and put it back together in your brain, but it's just the memories. Yeah, and I think Tom Petty was the only guy on that album who Stevie Nicks wasn't involved with. Probably, yeah. Oh, uh, but he, she has a love song with Don Henley, which is I think like probably my second favorite love song called "Leather and Lace." Yep. My favorite love song is "Bohemian Like You" because it's just so good. This it, it, dude, I, I'm I'm incredibly impressed 
and, and I don't mean to, to sound it just like my dad used to always say by me bringing up all of these same type of songs that I can't believe someone your age and I'm 35 like knew these things. So, man, I, I love that you have access to these and like are like just liking them because it's like you showing me that that Three Musketeers movie. It's like, you know, how is it that someone in my place in time right now would ever find that? But the fact that we have access to everything is so awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, ooh, one of my favorite songs of all time is actually, um, it's not called Hard Like a Rogue. That's the parody. Um, Bad Touch by Bloodhound Gang. Yep. Because I think that is one of the, I think that is genuinely one of the most romantic songs of all time because I've never heard a song that properly conveys how much fun sex can be. Like, oh, absolutely. not trying to get someone to sleep with you, just like how much fun sex can be, especially with someone who you know really well. Yes. Oh, no. The, the, have you ever heard that entire album? Is hilarious. Is friggin' hilarious. I, when, when I finally heard that, because that, I was pretty young when Bad Touch first released, and that was like one of those things that's like, oh, it's, you know, dirty. Your kids shouldn't have it. And I remember hearing that album, and the opening song, I Hope You Die, is one of the <laughs> funniest goddamn things. Because it's just all of these scenarios of like basically telling someone, you know, you know, like just stupid nonchalant, like, oh, die, fucker, you know, but it's like these really complicated scenarios in which he wants them to die. And it's hilarious. <laughs> Um, but anyway, yeah, it is very late, so I'm going to give you a chance now, um, Elijah, to plug anything that you would like people to hear about, whether it's something you do, or whether it's like a cool show or something that you want, uh, or want to talk I, about. I, I wrote a short story that I think I've been bugging you about for a while, so if yes, and, and I, I and can, I have I can give you a link to that, and maybe people could read that if they want. It's a it's a mystery story. It's a short story I wrote for one of my classes that I'm very proud of, where it's. The idea I had going into it is, what if Watson just fucking hated Sherlock Holmes and his narration reflected that? And I and I like I told you I haven't finished it, but I'm into it, and that that explanation is a great setup for it because it's it's some good stuff, and I can't I can't wait to make it through it. But yeah, if you if you want to give me a link, because I'll I'll have this up in a week or two, um, give me a link that I could put with it that people can get to it through. I'd, uh, I'd be happy to do that. Would you rather like a uh, Google? Docs link or like a PDF I could send or whatever. Um, it, PDF would probably be better just so I'm not um pointing them to your Google Docs because you know that's it's pretty secure. But I'd rather just have something floating around that I don't want people hacking you. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, let me see if I can even open Skype on my phone because, like I said, I don't. Oh, I mean, it does. You don't have to send it right now. But um, what what else? What else? You got anything else? Um. Uh, does it have to be something of mine to plug? No, no, anything you want. Just something you you have a voice. You you'll reach hundreds of people through this podcast. Oh, uh, I I just sent the PDF. Um, sweet, thank you. Uh, to plug, that's not mine. Um, there is this uh, guy on YouTube called Noah Caldwell Gervais, who does these great video retrospectives on franchise, and his retrospective on um. His long-form retrospective on the Wolfenstein series and his long-form retrospective on especially the, um, God, what's it called? The the video game where the Koreans are invading the U.S.? Yep. What, what's it called? Ah, it's on the top of my tongue. Man. The one that was written by the guy who wrote, uh, the, the movie where the, where, like, Wolverines came from. Yep. Red Dawn? I'm, I'm getting there. 
Written by the guy who did yeah, Red Dawn. Yeah, Red Dawn. There you go. Yeah, it's written by the guy who read, did Red Dawn. I cannot remember the name of the franchise to save my life. Jesus Christ. Um, home. Home. It's a video Homefront? game, right? Homefront. Yeah, home yes, front. that's right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, his retrospective of Homefront is one of the most entertaining looks at like how a how a company can still care about a game that didn't do very well and like how DLC can kind of make you love a game that really clearly has flaws but the company just kept on working at it and working at it and working at it and trying to make it better because they genuinely cared. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so that's great. If you have a chance to look it up, it's Noah Caldor Gervais. He has a very cool he has a very good speaking voice. He's a very interesting dude and you should check him out. Yeah, send me um send me also a direct URL link to his stuff and I'll put it in the description as well. Yeah, I'll I'll send you a link to the the episode on Homefront. Awesome. And uh you got anything else or, is, or are we good to go? I believe that is everything as okay. far as I can think of. I'm going to do my quick 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 little thing. I um I want to point everybody to get on a serious note for a minute. Um, recently a, uh, uh, oh, thanks. Um, there's the link. Um, a guy, um, uh, who goes by Philadelphia PA. Um, he's the ghost faced Billa as, as he goes, um, he runs a thing called research and destroy. I've been on his, his podcast before. It's awesome. Um, he just this past weekend and we're recording this on the wee hours of, uh, April 12th, 2019 for me on the East coast. And it's still the 11th for you. So, um, I've brought you to the future. Um, he, this past weekend, lost his mother unexpectedly. And so they have a GoFundMe going. Um, and I'll put that in the comments as well or in the description um, to help with for funeral costs. So um, he's, he's a great guy. And I want to point people to that. Um, to my stuff, you know, if, if you're, you know, listening for the first time, thank you. If you came here because Elijah sent you, uh, thank you, Elijah. Um that's Leonidas 701 on Twitter for those of you that uh, like me didn't know his real name until I saw him contact me on Skype. Um, also but, on uh, fanfiction.net if you're interested in oh, reading cool. my See, horrible th- writings. No, there you go, dude. That That's the kind of thing you should, p- you should pitch. The same name on fanfiction? Yeah, Leonidas 701. Right, I have see? a really bad My Little Pony fanfiction and some pretty good Kingdom Hearts fanfiction. Oh, I'll, I'll read it. <laughs> so, I sent so, you the Kingdom Hearts fanfics. Oh yeah, no, dude. I gotta, I, I gotta, dude. I just have no time, but I gotta get into it. Um, speak. So, so you wrote a My Little Pony fanfic. Did you ever when see? When I was the, in uh, sophomore year of high school, yeah. Did you Did you ever see the Brony episode of Bob's Burgers? I don't watch Bob's Burgers. I tried, but it's like The Simpsons for me, where it's like just something about the voice acting. Just you mm. should, you should at least look up that episode because <laughs> I sent it to my friend Jeremy, who's way, who's a. You know, uh, he, he's a self-proclaimed brony, and I said to this, and he goes, "That is so true and so real and so mean." <laughs> I was like, "Gal, there's a line from it that says our children are at a convention with a bunch of middle-aged men that like to dress up like horses. They are literally in the safest place they could possibly be." And I went, "Oh God, no! That's a terrible thing." <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So, so back to me. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm at the Chippa on Twitter. I run this podcast, shooting the shit with Chippa, along with the Chipman Brothers Tangent, um, with my brother Movie Bob, creating geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility with my wife, and the Talkbuster podcast, which has recently um, get, gained me some acclaim with uh, 
the general manager and assistant manager of the last blockbuster on the planet in Bend, Oregon. Um, and they're going to be regular guests coming back on the show to keep you guys updated on what's going on out there. So um, with that, I'd like to thank you, Elijah, Leonidas701, for shooting the shit with Chippa. And I would love to have you back sometime. Awesome. All right. And yeah, thank you very much for having me on here. This was a lot of fun. And I'm really glad I kept my mouth shut at the very end part there when you were talking about your friend's tragedy because it was very hard for me to resist responding to you saying you're coming to me from the future by saying, has your brother finally